shall we venture forth into the land of equal opportunity, conversational ethics and morals? Or shall we dance? <laughs> I think we should do the first thing. It's 8.42 a.m. Saturday, April 28th, 2018. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane Joe. Shall we dance? Shall we dance? Shall we dance? On the bright clouds, music shall we fly. You have to see the shall gestures. Your, the people are missing the, the hand gestures, Diane. <laughs> I don't know that you can, you can faithfully represent the exuberance and the... Well, you never get to see yours either, and I love, one of the things I love the most about you are your hand gestures. Hand gestures? I don't have hand gestures. What are you you talking about? When you're on stage, you have this way of talking with your hands that is just marvelous. I do? You do. You should look at some of your videos. I love it. I mean, it's just one of the things that makes my heart melt. Oh, get out of here. Okay. It's true. All there are right. a lot of things about you that make okay. my heart melt, right. but that's one of them. Well, obviously, it's been a hectic week here in Lake Amphetamine, as per usual. And uh, I got myself a cup of coffee here, and I'm going to take me a sip. Uh, stuff like that there. <laughs> yeah, ham and eggs. And we've once again been having a... A, a lively conversation. lively conversation before yes. you guys even came in. And it's true. All about college. It's and not that... Not that I don't have the impulse, and I want you people to know this. Uh, you know, there's the impulse to turn the tape recorder on during these conversations, but it's usually you're already in the middle of it before the impulse. Oh, we should be recording this part, and then it's like, well, it's the same, but yeah. okay, let's go back and start over this conversation. <laughs> Make it seem like it just, you know, we're just having it right now because it was so good. But you know, once again, it would always be too long. Too long and too late, and uh, you know the, you know all the all the juice has already been milked from the moment and, exactly and you can't really uh, exactly. you can't recreate something like that diane you, you can't gotta, you gotta you go can't. forward always forward ever onward and see if there's something else that might be of worth uh, out there and there usually isn't <laughs> but it's important to keep striving right diane it is yes yes strive on reggae woman <laughs> Over to you, Chet. <laughs> What's been happening? What have I forgotten? <laughs> yeah. What has happened that I forgot has happened since the last time we spoke? No gigs. Yes, yeah. you had a gig. I did? Yes, with oh, Kyle. Oh, I had a gig that evening. Yeah. That's right. That very evening I had a gig. Huh? Well, that's a good gig. I enjoyed uh, playing for those people. It was... And then on Sunday we went and... Uh, on the search for paperback books of oh, Robertson Davies. Of Robertson Davies, yeah. so that I could read this one passage. I, I was just dying to read this passage from one of the books, mm-hmm. which actually turned out to be a different book than I had originally thought it was in. And, and, uh, and that particular book was available yeah. at the Cooth Buzzard. See, what we're, we're trying to find uh, Robertson Davies' books not the big weighty tomes where the trilogy is all in one book. We're trying to find the individual books. And we're also looking for them as pocket books. Better still. What? Better still. Better still as pocket books because they're easier, they're more portable, and, uh, you know. Easier to hold in your hand. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. And they used the to be put that, out. Yeah, the pocketbooks, people. Yeah. What happened to pocketbooks? I want to know who decided that they should stop making paperback pocketbooks. And they started making what they call trade paperbacks, which is a larger format paperback book that doesn't fit in your pocket, that does not is not as easy to transport, and it's harder to hold in one hand, and blah, 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 blah. Why did that happen? I, I do not I understand it, it myself. I think it is part of the decay of civilization as we have come to know it, is that they've stopped making pocket books. One of the nice things about the Cooth Buzzard is that they have a lot of pocketbooks. Oh, yeah. yeah. Lines on the wall of pocketbooks. That's true. That's true. So they have... 8310 two. Greenwood Avenue North, in case you don't know, yeah. where the Cooth Buzzard bookstore is. It's also a great music venue and a crossroads of culture and uh, exotic character study. While we were there, first of all, it was a beautiful day that day. Yeah, it was sunny, but it was not too warm. Yeah. And all the spring green was out, and it just felt lovely to drive over there, the puffy white clouds and the blue, blue sky. And and uh, so I felt very happy. Great day for going into a bookstore and sitting amongst musty uh, paperback books. We were actually looking out over the window. I know, we were sitting window. in the front window and enjoying yeah. our... Our little cafe, and a ginger molasses cookie. And it was tons of fun. But I, I really enjoyed that little outing, and I was thinking how interesting the joy that you have from small occasions. That it doesn't have to be a big deal where everything is spectacular and big and splashy. It can just be a small thing like going to find a book, finding a couple of books, seeing a couple of people that you like, hearing some jazz music in the background. Yeah, from... it's like they do, this, they do this Sunday afternoon jazz jam there every Sunday. And so it was like, there was a guy with a little drum kit, little trap kit, and a guy, what was the other guy? And I think there was just bass and drums were playing when we first got there. And they were just noodling around back there. And then, Musicians kept coming in. Guy came in with a keyboard, and guy came in with a saxophone. Guy comes in with all these different instruments, and you just in the background of the bookstore, you're hearing this music kind of build as new people arrive. Hi, how you doing? And they're still you can still hear the kind of drums are kind of just kind of going and stopping and going, and then they start up again. And then there's a there's a, a organ playing with them now, and it's like ooh, and you're hearing all this from the other end of the room. So that was nice too. It was a very nice atmospheric uh, there was like layers of atmosphere were being added as we were there so that was a lovely lovely time it was it's all been downhill since then <laughs> no I'm just kidding it's a good week I was supposed to go see my mother this week and it ended up not happening because first of all I got a cold or thought I had a cold and no I think you had a cold but yeah. just was of short duration right so, I don't know what happened. But, and my mom's really busy. She's got all these social engagements that she's involved with. So, I'm going to have to be uh, worked into her calendar. <laughs> she's she's kind of like, hey, I need to make an appointment farther in advance, apparently, than, than what I've been trying to do. This whole spur of the moment thing is, you know. But, so, that happened. 
Did anything happen to you, Diane, at all? Nothing happened? Nothing well, whatsoever? I just, I, I feel like a broken record. I would just be talking about my enjoyment of and challenges of my new workplace and mm. how much I love my new team. And mm. um, it just, it's just been such an exciting experience. So to people, have at the people end can of just like listen to the show from two weeks ago. And exactly, or, good, good or a month ago, yeah. or two <laughs> months ago. So, yeah. but another thing that happened was we were talking about Seth Blair last week. Oh right. And I was saying I would have to see whether he ever put out. I was thinking maybe there is a way that we could get the uh, the cassette tape from Seth, uh-huh. which I had asked him about before and he had said at that time um that that i shouldn't worry about it that he, he was doing something where he's trying to get it transferred to digital because i was telling him that you had the ability oh right 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 but i did a search online actually for one of his old song lyrics because i thought maybe somebody's written the song lyrics up and um, and actually found that Seth had already digitized, digitized his, work. The, yeah. his work, and it was it was available. Yeah. It was such a a joy to find those again because, man, you know it's funny that some of the experiences of the open mic from back in nineteen eighty four through eighty nine, which is when I was the most attentive to the hmm. open mics. We had some amazing people coming through, yeah. and it's kind of hard to remember all of the people who were coming through. Yeah. But uh, as it turns out, I did not know this at the time when uh, when we were in Victory Music, because I don't know whether I would have known what a postdoctoral scholar was, but it turned out that Seth was a postdoc. He was... Uh, a postdoc at the University of Washington, and then he went back um, to, isn't he in Massachusetts? Couldn't tell you. Uh, anyway, someplace where he was from originally. Right. So um, so he is now a professor. But at the time, we were just enjoying his music. I don't think I ever tried to find out more about him other than, Finding the World of Wonders book that he read and reading that, I knew that he was a scientist, but I didn't really care much about that. <laughs> it's funny how you know people for one aspect of their lives. Right. So, it was a great pleasure to rediscover his music, and I was excited that we would be able to feature him on this week's show. Yeah. One of the things that I observed when I was listening to Seth, uh, his music, is I was thinking, I think the the thing that I love the most about his uh, his songs were that they were like little short stories. It's really like a little tiny short story in a song. And they all are that way. When I started seen it that way and they're kind of along the lines of science fiction yeah they're little distillations of of some very seemingly chaotic and uh uh, 
ideas, but he organizes them in a unique way that just is a sheer pleasure to listen to. He just makes it so much fun. I associate Seth with people like Mark Graham. Yeah. As, as somebody who just relishes language and its ability to tell stories in quirky different kinds of ways and to accentuate the quirkiness of the, uh, of the approach or of the vantage point from which the story is told. And that, and that practice becomes a device unto itself that is very pleasing uh, to listen to. When I think of the way Mark Graham puts words together, um, I, uh, that's, you know, I feel like Seth is from that same school of distillation. The, you know, it just passes through well, filters that none of us can even imagine the filters exactly. that, are, that it passes through on its way to being a cohesive thing. But we take, are able to take such pleasure in the cohesive thing that is the end product. And then if you, you know, you can get lost in trying to imagine what, what would have led the author to put these things together to create this thing, which is so pleasurable to listen to, you know, because you just can't imagine the exotic mindscape from which this thing could have come, you know? And I just think that's just great. It's, it's great. It also revealed to me the importance of what Victory Music was doing during those open mics, of having them be a listening environment. Yeah, because if you could not have the people listening to that song, it would never come across yeah. you could hear it in the background but if you weren't listening to that song to to hear the little short story that was in it it would just be kind of like me you know be like whatever. wallpaper you know yeah you know, it wouldn't be it would have no uh independent existence you know yeah. and you know. and i were having this discussion <laughs> last week when we were talking about uh having an open mic or i mean any sort of that it's, it's very difficult to find a place where you can just have the audience be able to listen without distraction. Right. And how important that was because, and I was pointing out that I think that I, I'd have to look up the term, but I think audience comes from to listen. I mean, that's a person who's listening. Right. And I think that uh, it's an art to listen to people in conversation, yeah. but it's also a necessary aspect of life to listen to what is being presented to you by an artist and why you would even want to have a conversation when somebody is in front of you who's performing is beyond me. I've never been able to do it. I, I always want to hear what that person on stage is presenting, even if I don't really like them or whatever. If I don't really like them, I just want to leave. I don't want to talk over them. Right. I want to leave. Right. But if I like their music, I want to hear every word that they're saying. Well, I think so. it's because we, I think the reason that we have that kind of discerning kind of uh, perspective now and have for all, all of our adult lives is because we had that indoctrination that Victory Music gave us. I was, even back in those days, the Victory Music open mic was unique uh, because of Chris's insistence that people respect the artist. 
And he was militant about it. He was very it. militant about it. I remember Chris walking around talking to people. And, you know, it was if you were a big, if you were a an artist there to play your stuff, uh, says Chris would make it plain. If you want to get referred by Victory Music, if you want to get booked by Victory Music, then you need to respect the rules of Victory Music. And it was he was very militant about it, but it created a great creative kind of nexus. Uh, that didn't exist in any other open mic. I mean, I used to go to the open mic at Murphy's. I would go to the open mic at, uh, I don't know, a bunch of different places, and none of them were like that. It was just you were singing into the roar of whatever was happening in the room, of which you were not the main attraction. Chris gave the the performers and the audience an experience of an actual performance, uh, and which helped the performers to become better performers, and it helped the audience to become better audience. Well, and it allowed the audience to really enjoy, uh, to know when they were walking in that they were going to be able to enjoy this without trying to filter out conversations. You could have a a whispered conversation. Like if you wanted to say, oh, I really like this music or something, you could whisper it to your... Uh, it wasn't like a library or anything yeah. like that, but he wasn't walking around with a yardstick to come down on your yeah. hands if you were not minding the rules. But yeah, but he would throw you out if yeah. if that happened. And I was also one of the ones who was trying to keep order in the front of the room, and uh, I I was never good at at commanding people, but I'd always um, basically whisper to them, "Hey, if you want to have this conversation, can you take it outside?" Right. You know because we're trying to be respectful of the, uh, of the performers. Right. So that's something that it's a lost, it's, a, it's kind of one of those kind of lost things. Yeah, and it will truly be lost, I think, if Chris is not uh, working at keeping that together or somebody does the same sort of thing. People used to complain about Chris's um, being that way, but I was very appreciative because I was so happy that yeah. that we were able to have a listening environment for it. Anyway, it seems like most of the people that were complaining about it were musicians. That, that's what I was going <laughs> to It's like, really? Really? <laughs> really? Come on. It's true. Yeah. You don't want everybody talking during your set. Yeah, exactly. So what the hell are you doing talking during their set? <laughs> exactly. It's like, get real, people. But... Once again, just to bring the the conversation about this full circle, to have the ability to hear these songs, and I I always feel like there's such an enjoyment of every nuance of a really good performer. That's not just the music and the lyrics and the story that they're telling, but also their expressions and their hand gestures and the things that they do that just make it all so wonderful. One of the things that I think people miss out on if they only listen to music through CDs and radio or whatever. You mean through Spotify and through uh, Amazon? People don't listen to CDs No, well, what I mean is uh, throughout my life, you know, if you're only listening to it without ever watching something live, I think you never get the experience of the the joy of the the whole person yeah. being in front of you and being and the uh, the joy of being part of an audience you know it's not it's a it's a there's a there's an inter relationship there that is established in a performance between the performer and the audience between the audience and the performer it's a two way communication 
and I don't know, I think it's a, something that people aren't even aware of it as a phenomenon anymore, you know. The number of people who, who get hoodwinked into coming to one of my performances or something like that and are just like, people do this? I know. People, this, this happens? <laughs> wow. You know, it's like they've never been an, in an audience before. And I really think that, that that's part of what is being lost is, you know, because music is so, uh, it's just everywhere now. And it, there's nothing, it, there's nothing special about it anymore. And so I remember, remember when we used to have record collections and what you heard was what you had, you know, and, you know, there was this kind of preciousness about your record collection. People don't even have record collections anymore, you know, it's just it's all on, you know, it was like I was, I signed up for Amazon Music, you know, uh, this last week, and I was thinking, because I really love that new John Prine album, which I ordered the CD, and I have the CD right. of the new John Prine album, and I was thinking, I would love to hear some more John Prine, and I was looking at what John Prine I have in my iTunes already, I was thinking, well, but yeah, but I want to hear some of the other, and I went, and everything is on Amazon Music, you can listen to every John Prine song that's ever been recorded, anytime, anywhere, and, and it's like, you know, but I think of, when I think of music, I think of it as an audience member, not as just a consumer of stuff, you know. It's, it's like, I don't know, there's a, there's a mindset attached to audience performer dynamics that I don't think even exists really in people's minds anymore. So that they can be blown away by being drawn into it by accident into a situation where they experience it. They're kind of like, wow, look, this is a thing. You know? <laughs> well, I'm so glad that I was introduced to yeah. that being a thing. Well, I was like, that, so... it was like that's the. I mean, when I grew up, I, I, as a little tiny kid, you know, you'd be at some party with your parents, and you know, and you'd be down the hall with all the other kids doing something weird, and all of a sudden you'd hear everybody singing, and you go back out, and there's my dad sitting in the middle with his guitar and leading everybody in song. I was like, whoa. It's a whole different kind of thing. And you would, you would, I remember being out on Vashon Island and, you know, the people, the grown-ups would all be, you know, playing horseshoes and drinking beer and, you know, doing all this thing. And then it would start to kind of get dark and things would, we'd be done with dinner and the kids would kind of be, you know, doing whatever they were doing. And at some point you'd hear the music start and you'd know, oh, it's that time now. It became this time in the event and the kids would, you know, they would be sent to bed at some point. We would be sent to bed. And the thing about uh, the Freelance Place on Vashon Island is that you could hear everything that was going on everywhere all the time. The house was like, it was this big old house, three-story house, and, but it had all these open porches and there were all these open windows and all the rooms were connected by these glass windows that swung open and swung closed and something like that. And all the windows were always open. And... So the, we would be up on the third floor sleeping porch. There were two beds out on this open air porch. I mean, it was covered, but it was like a covered deck. And you, this this was a funky, funky old house. There were there were bumper jacks underneath the house holding the joists up, where the old, where the old supports had rotted away. They had put bumper jacks. Whoa! And it was holding the main floor of the house up. It was just you, know, you couldn't believe. It was like some kind of <laughs> Dr. Seuss kind of <laughs> situation, you know. But you could, and the kids would be out on that, we would all just be 
looking at the ra over the railing at the parents down there. Pardon me, I'm having a drink of coffee. In their state of whatever level of inebriation they were in. You boy. And they would start playing the... That's good coffee. The more body songs, you know, the more uh, questionable. So we get to, got to hear all that stuff. It was just great. Was my just great. experience was always of my brother uh, performing in our in our family because he learned... He was first in... Um, the orchestra as first violinist and then he for some reason decided to pick up guitar probably to find girls you know yeah and, probably uh, <laughs> probably <laughs> give me a break yeah. but he and i would just love singing in his he would play and we'd sing together and and uh, then we would perform for our parents and uh, mm -hmm. I mean he would be performing I would chime in and then all of our family would be singing and and especially when we were at the at Cannon Beach on vacations that was a, a mainstay of our entertainment because we had no television there or no yeah. so that was part of the way that we entertained ourselves it was the same thing on Fox Island and when I was in high school and going to keggers at Crazy Dave Fernald's house at some point, people are like, Bill, where's your guitar, man? And I yeah. realized in high school, I had this sense of this legacy that I was carrying forward. I was the guy with the guitar. Yeah. Just like my dad was the guy exactly. with the guitar. And I, it, I recognized that, and it was like, this is good. This is, this is a continuation. This is like a family tradition of being the guy with the guitar. You know? So it was cool. But now we're going to go to a guy with a cello. With a cello, yeah. But in a, a totally unique yeah. storyteller and a totally unique cellist. It's, it's true. <laughs> Ain't nobody like Seth Blair. I think you're going to like him, folks. <laughs> After all the times you stood me up And all the times you stalled But you know I truly love you You're so slinky and so sweet So I thought I'd make this last attempt To sweep you off your feet I am really quite a nice guy Kind to animals and plants Not the sort to make a big scene Or the sort that raves and rants I've got this charming sense of humor which I'm sure could please you so Now you see how I adore you Won't you let me be your own It's true I'm not great looking And my nose is much too big But I ain't no thousand pounder And I still don't wear a wig I haven't got those rippling muscles Like those cute guys on TV So why don't you come on over, babe And listen to my plea these clothes I'm wearing, baby, well, I ain't exactly rich. I had tried to hit the big time, but I ran into a hitch. So now I live a slow existence in the fastest part of town. Imagine what the guys would think if you would come around. And it's true, perhaps. 
perhaps I drink too much of that you may have heard of how my feet they start to shuffle and my speech gets so absurd but I'm funny when I'm drunk just ask the guys out on the street and I'm always making friends the kind I'm sure you'd love to meet I've acquired some odd hobbies in this lonely life I've led but the snakes don't make a lot of noise, especially if they're fed. And the monkeys in the cellar only get loose late at night. You can hear them in the morning howling at the gentle light that always streams in through the broken ceiling all throughout the day. You know I wrecked the house before I gave up making bombs that way. But don't worry, they can't find us. I can keep us from all harm with my missiles to surround us and their sensitive alarms. Oh, how I love you, how I love you, how I need you, can't you see? Oh, why don't you come on over, babe, and spend some time with me? from my cars some checks that had bounced yes i had to work fast on that morning i started out pickling the past i got a big pot from my dustiest shelf and i filled it with mittens i made for myself the keys from old houses an artsy old cast yes you have to be picky when pickling the past oh yes pickling the past it's not for the faint heart it's sticky it's tricky to stop once you've started the past may be sweet or be sour or plain if you pickle it up you can taste it again well i poured in the vinegar diced up some dice and a curious photo i'd saved up for spice leftovers from dinner we'd had quite a blast and it made me quite eager for pickling the past but my family ran out before i could chop them and took all the trauma i had to go shopping to find a replacement the clerk was aghast when she heard what i needed for pickling the past oh yes pickling the past it's not for the faint-hearted it's sticky it's tricky to stop once you've started the past may be sweet or be sour or plain if you pickle it up you can taste it again Till it looked like today and I poured it in jars and I put them away and if ever I want to know what I've been through I take out my old pickles and think dear of you oh yes pickle in the past is not for the faint hearted it's sticky it's tricky to stop once you've started the past may be sweet or be sour Just stop once you started. 
Taste it.